The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. It was on Monday that Queen Elizabeth II was laid to rest. I mean, it feels like an awful lot longer than that. Anyway, it was on Monday it happened. And according to my next guest, her selflessness that was talked about quite a bit in the days around her funeral uh, puts her at odds with modern culture. David Quinn is a columnist at the Sunday Times, director of the Iona Institute. David, why do you say so? Well, I mean, I just was kind of struck by the contrast between... So, like, like nearly everybody admired her, including those who were basically anti, anti-monarchy. Um, I would rather the monarchy disappeared, including from countries like Australia, which currently have the monarch as their head of state. But he admired her, and why? Because for her 70 years, um, she always put service before self and duty before self. So she was kind of formed in an earlier age. Now, of course, they weren't all formed successfully in that age. Look at her uncle, Edward VIII, and how he abdicated uh, rather than stick at the job. But nonetheless, um, that was kind of the motif of her life. And she seemed to do it very successfully. And the older she got, the more she was admired for it. And rightly so. By all generations, guys, you were very struck by looking at crowds. It was all generations were present at it and all admiring her for pretty much the same reason. But it seems to me there is kind of a contrast between the culture that formed her and the culture that forms people today, despite the fact that we all admire her for this particular aspect of her life. And it's that she talked all the time about duty and service. But duty has become a kind of old-fashioned, musty kind of word that hardly anybody talks about. And we're much more likely to talk now about things like rights, not duty, about self-fulfilment, about self, about freedom, about choice. Um, And they're good things, some might say. Well, you see, this is kind of, yes, they are. Um, And if you go back to the culture that formed the Queen, sometimes duty was so emphasised that it was at the expense of freedom and it was at the expense of choice. And that kind of is why we rejected a lot of that culture. And then you had the whole rise of the kind of me generation in the 1970s and so on. Um, But obviously, you know, you can swing the pendulum too far the other way. And, and, you know, there comes a point at which you've done it at the expense of things like duty. And you said your freedom to walk away should be so strong and so emphasised that you actually ought to be allowed to walk away from your what were to be lifetime commitments in the name of these things. Uh, And I just think that, um, you know, we have got the balance wrong now. Pierce McHenry is with us as well, lecturer in University College Cork. Pierce, has the pendulum swung too far from selflessness to self-centeredness? Good evening, Kieran, and good evening, David. Well, the problem I have about this is if you're trying to kind of start up a row between myself and David, you may find it not quite as easy as you think because I'm probably going to agree with him about a lot of things. And I don't think the pendulum has swung too far towards self-centeredness. I do think that it's possible to have a moral conscience, whether or not you are a Christian. Uh, I'm not a believer myself. I think that um, when you make decisions according to your conscience, it does include uh, issues like service and duty. And of course, I remember as well, because I'm old enough to remember it, the kind of, um, I suppose, the indulgence of the late 1960s, uh, the peace and love um, kind of revolution of 1968 onwards. And I think it had its upside and its downside. So I don't think it's a simple matter. Um, What, though, do you say to, I suppose, the very first point David made, that there is maybe a sense in modern society that duty has become something kind of musty from the back of the cupboard, old-fashioned. 
Well, I don't agree at all, but again, there may be an age factor working here, but I don't think so. I mean, in my own case, for instance, I work with asylum seekers and refugees a lot of my time here in Cork. And if I look to who my closest friends and colleagues are in this area, they're quite likely to be um, Catholic priests and nuns, for instance, who I think are utterly dedicated and entirely admirable. And much as I might criticise certain aspects of the church's actions in the past, I see no reason to criticise those individuals for their sense of duty and their sense of service to the community. So I think, you know, when you look at what makes your life worthwhile, and maybe as you get older, you start to ask yourself that question anyway, why am I here? And even if you can't answer it in kind of transcendental ways and say, well, I'm here to get to heaven, at the very least, you can say you're here to live your life as best you can. And I do think that duty and service come into that in the sense of um, doing it, first of all, with your family, and then with the community around you and trying to serve as best you can. And I don't think actually that, for instance, believers and non-believers need be at each other's throats about this. I think there is an extent to which we agree. Now, I think there is a sort of uh, self-indulgence as well about um, certain modern attitudes, and maybe consumerism is kind of the obvious word that comes to mind there, where we're, we're concerned about what we can buy, how much we can consume, what kind of a lifestyle we can achieve. achieve. But as you get a bit older, you realise that those things aren't really important. And in fact, as you get older, you also realise that sometimes, you know, less is more. I don't need the kind of 8,000 books there are in this house at the moment, for instance. So there's that dimension to it as well. Uh, uh, David, I mean, if if Instagram or something was a reflection of, uh, of real life, uh, I could see kind of the argument you were making and in, in maybe in more stark terms, but it's, it's not really. And when you look at things like the response to the Ukrainian crisis and how people opened up their arms, does that not speak to maybe yes. a, a, a selflessness that still exists in society? Yes, it does. And by the way, I'm not even saying that um, uh, it's a question of duty versus selfishness. It's more duty versus freedom. And to what extent should you emphasise one or the other? And it's not, by the way, a question either of belief versus non-belief in God, because obviously you can be an atheist and be an extremely dutiful person and uh, put your own happiness second. But I do think we live in a society which, and I think it's kind of, in, in many ways, the basis of kind of much of modern liberal societies is you ought to be able to have the freedom to walk away from an unwanted or unchosen burden. And again, the reason we admired the Queen is because that office was a heavy burden. As I said, it's one her uncle walked away from. It's one that Harry and Meghan have more or less walked away from. Um, Charles has wobbled. Okay. That, 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 that we should have the freedom to experience life without hardship. Is that it? Um, well, I mean, that would be the attitude of some of what we get told. So, if I'm in debates, and I've been in many of these sort of one standard years, and I say, well, divorce is very high in Western societies. It used to be very low. And people say, well, it's best to be able to divorce and stay in a very unhappy, never mind abusive marriage. And I certainly agree you should walk away from an abusive marriage, particularly when it's harming your children. But if I say something like, well, is there a point at which we should begin to become a little bit alarmed at the sheer extent of divorce in many Western societies? I tend to be told no. Uh, because if somebody in that relationship is going to be happier as a result, then that's a good thing. And if I kind of respond then, but supposing it makes the children unhappier or suppose it makes the spouse who's walked out on unhappier, I still get told it doesn't matter. And so we tend not to discuss these sort of things because we do place such enormous em- emphasis on personal freedom and personal happiness that the idea that we should actually be prepared sometimes to sacrifice our own happiness for the sake of the commitments we've made to others mm. tends to get lost in the equation somewhere. 
Pierce, I, I can actually understand that argument. Not saying I necessarily agree with it, but I can I can understand it. That there is this idea, isn't there, that we are all kind of the stars of our own show, and we must, above all else, kind of pursue that which makes us fulfilled and makes us happy, regardless of the people around us. Is that is that fair? Um, well, I mean, I, I hear David's point there. He talked about divorce, and I mean, all I can say is because I've been through that myself. Um, it's an intensely personal and painful experience. Um, it's one which I think anyone who's gone through it would have thought a lot about. And really, you make your decisions based on an agonizing set of choices and <coughs> options. And I, I, I can only feel that most people who've been through that or some other similarly life-changing uh, decision probably have gone through it with, with a considerable amount of thought and reflection. Now, there may be people who think in some facile way yeah, I don't like this anymore. I'm just going to walk away from it. I actually genuinely don't think that reflects how most people approach a subject like that. That said, of course, I accept that in, in modern life in particular, there's a certain tendency to assume that we can do as we damn well want. And um, it's it's a me, me, me type of um, view that we all have on society. And if there's something we don't like anymore, we walk away from it. And in fact, I would deplore it as, as much as someone like David might. might. So in a sense, I don't really think we're uh, at, at odds with each other about this. David, maybe we just need to tell all these people that they're not special and unique. Most of us are just bog standard. Yes, well, I guess bog standard people have the same right to be happy. Uh, but again, the question is, at what expense? And is there ever a time your happiness has to come second? And there's lots of people listening to this will probably be thinking, what's he on about? Um, yeah, we make lo- I make loads of sacrifices. Yeah. I put my happiness behind lots of things. Yeah, and, and, this, and obviously most people do that. Uh, but there's also no question that, and this has been at the heart of so many of the social issues debates down the years, it's that if a person is unhappy, they ought to be able to walk away from that commitment. And actually, they ought to be able to do it in terms of the law and in terms of social attitudes and norms, they ought to be able to do it quite easily. And by the way, like I'm aware of plenty of people who are divorced um, and I have friends and it's not an easy thing at all. Um, but nonetheless, if, you, like if the figure goes from 10% to 20% to 30% you know, to 40%, which it is in some societies, um, you know, nobody wants to live in a society, uh, no matter what your attitude is to these things, where you have a 40% chance of getting divorced at some point. All right, and you have to have to wonder what's going on there, and is and do we have to be just completely fatalistic about it, and we just kind of shrug our shoulders whether it's ten percent or forty percent, mm. and I think no, there's a very serious, substantive issues that we need to debate here and wonder what's driving this. Um, uh, now, there'll be some who say that, 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 that as one element of the increase or reaching that forty percent figure will be the fact that divorce is available means that people might more readily get married. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily just down to kind of selflessness versus self-centeredness. Uh, except the marriage rate in Ireland has dropped an awful lot. And in fact, we have one of the lowest marriage rates in Europe, would you believe it? Um, we had a low rate in the past and then it went up a lot in the 70s and 80s. Now it's come right back down again. So it's incredibly low. And in fact, fewer than half of adults now in Ireland are married. So actually, uh, you would think Maybe if it's easier to get out of, then I'll be more inclined to get, you know, to mm. get married. But actually, the marriage rate has dropped as well. And this is kind of because of the rise of a kind of highly individualistic culture where um, there's a kind of reluctance to make strong commitments. 
and to take vows. And again, there's probably people listening to this going berserk, but I'm sorry, like, this is the fact of it, that co- that societies that become a lot more individualistic, marriage goes into rapid decline. The rates fall, the divorce rates go up, and so on. Um, and again, I think it's an issue that we ought to be willing to debate in as objective a manner as yeah. possible. Uh, listen, it is uh, it is an interesting debate and we're uh, happy to facilitate it. Uh, I'm only sorry, we've run out of time. David Quinn, Thank columnist you. at the Sunday Times and director of the Iona Institute and uh, Pierce McHenry is a lecturer in University College uh, Cork. 53106, the text number uh, for your views. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.